Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. All right, y'all ready for the Word? Okay. Listen, this morning we're going to uh, wrap up our current series that we've been in called uh, Intentional Living. So if you're taking notes, uh, this is the fourth and final part. And as always, if you have missed any part of one, two, or three, we highly encourage you to go check out the podcast. So uh, let, me, let me maybe do this before we jump into the piece we're going to talk about today. I want to actually take a few moments uh, just to recap. And the reason I want to recap is because I realize uh, that there's people who haven't been here. And if we just kind of run into where we're going at today, they're going to be completely lost. And, and so let's kind of gather uh, the troops, if you will, for the next few minutes. And then we'll run in the direction we need to run in today. So let's begin by saying this. Uh, if you guys remember, uh, right before Christmas, I encouraged... Uh, everyone to set aside uh, some time to just, you know, in the, in the following weeks to pray and really about one specific thing, and that's to simply ask God, God, how can we give more attention to the areas that should matter the most in our lives? Because how many of you guys know it's really easy to waste loads of time running after different things in life and miss the things that actually matter the most. And, and so by making that request, by making that challenge, if you will, is just saying, hey, guys, let's kind of let's refocus and let's begin to ask God, once again, how can we be more fruitful in the areas that should matter the most in our lives? And I will repeat again, those things that should matter the most are first and foremost our relationship with Jesus right? Our purpose in Him, our marriage, right? If we're married, obviously our children, if we have children, then our emotional and our mental and our physical health, and then our friendships, and lastly, of how we're stewarding the resources and the finances that God has entrusted to us. Now, something I thought was really cool is when, uh, you know, basically I said to everybody, hey, let's pray this. We all kind of broke for a bit, right? We went on a break. And, uh, and while I was at home, I was praying the same thing I was encouraging you to pray. Um, you know, but what happened to me, I didn't really expect. God just kind of uh, blew the lid off the thing. He just started digging, a, a, you know, digging in my heart and revealing all kinds of things there that I didn't know that was there. And, uh, you know, when we came back a few weeks later and actually began to preach on the things that, was, that God was speaking to in my heart, I honestly uh, thought that that day I was going to step out on a limb and, and I was going to be just talking to me and everybody else was going to look at me like I was stupid, Right. Uh, but something pretty amazing happened, as it always does in the kingdom. Um, you, you know, as I began to talk that day and then afterwards begin to communicate with people, uh, it was pretty amazing to see that the Holy Spirit, for lack of a better word, was speaking a common theme to so many of our hearts. And, uh, and that common theme was simply this, is that if we are going to be fruitful in the areas that matter the most, then it will require, it will require us to become more intentional with our time. In other words, that we, that we had to come to a spot where we can't just leave the outcome of those things that we talked about in that list to happenstance or reactionary living just kind of based off how we feel today. Because how many of you guys know uh, too often we determine our life and, and, and run our life, if you will, uh, based off how we feel? Right? Like, I feel like praying today, so I will. I don't feel like praying today, so I won't. Right? Is anybody with me? And so, but when you begin to... 
When you begin to hear what Jesus is telling us, you realize that you got to make a, a decision not to, not to live off your feelings, but you actually need to make a commitment to be consistent and deliberate in your action and partnering with God's plan for your life in each of those areas. Now, if I can maybe say one other thing to this, something that I found really interesting as we were going through this process is, is, is if that if you would have asked me or if you would ask any of those other guys, especially that I've been talking to, let's say three months ago, you know, if we wanted, uh, you know, an intimate relationship with God, if we, uh, you know, wanted to walk in our divine purpose, if we wanted to have a great marriage, if we wanted godly kids, if we wanted to be mentally, emotionally, and physically, and spiritually healthy, if we wanted authentic relationships, or if we wanted to be good stewards, I, I'm here to tell you that I'm 100% confident that every single one of these guys I've been talking about would adamantly said yes to each one of those questions. And so, to me, when, because of that, one thing that's made this self-evaluation process so sobering over the past, I don't know, month, two months or so, is the fact that so many of us, including myself, have had to admit that, guess what, what we say we want and what we actually have are two different things. In other words, that what we tell everybody what we want, what we even tell ourselves we want, doesn't really match up what we got. It, it just doesn't happen. And, and I think that maybe not just the sobering, but the painful and the humbling part of that is, is that we've had to swallow that really difficult pill that says this, is that no one else is, is to blame. It, it's our own fault, right? And that's not easy. In fact, there's an old comic strip that comes to my mind when I say that. It's about a comic book character called Pogo. And uh, I'm sure most of us have never heard of Pogo, but Pogo in a comic strip years ago, it just simply said this. It said, we have seen the enemy and the enemy is us. And I think that's what we've had to realize. It's so easy to sit back and want to blame other people for our mess, blame the devil. But we're having to say, you know, we're our own worst enemy when it comes to these things. Am I making sense to anybody today? So listen, going back to that common theme for a moment, what the Holy Spirit is undeniably revealing to so many of us in this room is that the main reason we aren't seeing fruit in the areas that matter the most is because we've allowed ourselves to become two words too busy too busy so much so that we've become a slave to our schedules that we're not running our schedules but our schedules are actually running us and another thing I've realized through this process, you know, and, and, and I do think part of this depends on where you land in, in the generations that's in the room. But, but, but what I've seen is, is the, the, just the honest fact that so many of us, that when we find a free moment, when we do find a break in our schedules, uh, we quickly do our best to fill those spots with extra stuff to do. In, in fact, just this week as I was just studying about stuff more and just reading and praying, I, I, you know, I actually heard a statistic, and the statistic was this, is that the average person actually spends two hours a day on Instagram. Two hours a day. Two, that's, a lot, that's a lot of time looking at somebody's pictures. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and listen, that's not including TV, that's not including Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, right? Video games, or, or whoever in this room's got a Candy Crush addiction, right? It's not including y'all. But, but the bottom line is this, is I think some of us are starting to realize how much we've become addicted to a lifestyle that's full of clutter, that's full of distraction, that's full of noise, that's full of disengagement, and an overwhelming lack of attentionality in all of those areas. So listen, if we can, just... Just what I want to do for a minute is I want to pause, and I want us to consider something. I actually want us to ask ourselves a question, and that question is this. Is how different 
could your life be, my life be, if we exchanged the clutter for a life of intentionality? Like, let me, let me put it a different way. How different would our lives be if we exchanged two hours of social media for two hours with Jesus? Right? Or two hours, you know, basically, you know, um, undistracted time with our spouse. Not where we're looking at our phone every five minutes. Right? Or, or even if we said, you know what, I'm actually going to spend two hours of quality time with my children. Like, how different would our lives be? You know, listen, as an old youth pastor, there's a statistic that haunts me as a parent, and that is this, is that the average parent spends eight minutes a day talking to their children. A quality time, eight minutes a day. And so that's why we have YouTube and a school system that's totally jacked up raising our children, and we can't figure out why our children aren't turning out godly. It's because our lack of engagement, because we're the only godly voices in their lives. Hello, church, right? So I just think this. It's like how different would our lives be if we actually gave God in our family the best pieces of us and not the leftovers? You, you know what I'm talking about, that physically, mentally, emotionally drained, disengaged, disinterested side of us. How different would our lives be if they got our best, Right? You see, kind of coming to a point here, the, the aha revelations that so many of us are having around here is this, is that our busyness or our fast-paced, hurried lifestyle, cluttered lifestyles are incompatible to the way God designed us to live. So, which brings us to this, if, if you and I are actually going to be able to live the fruitful, intentional lives that Jesus wants us to live, then we desperately need to find a new rhythm in life. And, and that, I believe that that rhythm, like we talked about last week, has to have this thing called rest in it. That we actually uh, have an emphasis of weekly Sabbath days and we have daily Sabbath moments. Like if we are going to survive and we're going to do what Jesus wants us to do, we desperately need those. Can I get an amen? amen. Like we have to go, you know what, I'm going to unplug from all that busy work, all of those, you know, basically all that stuff in my schedule, all that you know, our social lives, even our phone, and I just need to concentrate on some undivided attention time on Jesus and my family. Amen? So listen, on that note, uh, let's read Mark 6 again, and this is just the invitation of Jesus that I'm simply saying, hey, remember this today. He said this in 631. It says, there was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going that they were unable to even eat a meal. That's pretty busy. It's like hanging out with me. It is. So Jesus said to his disciples, come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while. Hear that. Jesus is saying, come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while. Can we hear that invitation? Not just hear it, but actually receive it and do it. Amen? All right. So with all that hanging in the air... For the sake of, keyword, for the sake of balance, for the sake of balance, there's something I feel compelled to share with you today. Uh, because the last thing I want any of us to do is to actually misinterpret God's heart and God's attention when it comes to this gift of rest that he has given us. So let, let me maybe say this before we read our first scripture. Um, everything I'm about to say, it's one of those things, if I'm just being very transparent with you today, it's like... Uh, 
I know what I want to say, I just don't know how to say it. So I'm living there today, and that's a very frustrating spot for a preacher. And uh, so if you can, just open up your heart, and I believe if you do, Jesus will start talking. He has a great way to fill in the gaps. Amen? So I'll do my best, and we'll let Jesus do his best, and maybe we'll, we'll land in a good spot. Amen? All right, so for the sake of context, let's quickly read one of the main, pa- one of the main passages we read last Sunday. It's Matthew 11. says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy, burden, heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. All right. Please listen to what I'm about to say because this is one of the main points I want to drive home today. That's this. Is that when God invites or when God beckons us to come and rest, like we just saw there in Matthew chapter 11, we need to remember it is not an invitation to become inactive or lazy. Okay? I know that's not like amazing, but y'all listen. As a pastor, right, who's trying his best to help people do what Jesus has called them to do, here's what I've noticed, is that there's far more of us that maybe work one day and take six days of rest versus people who actually uh, work six days and rest one day. What I mean by that is kingdom purposes. Okay, let me just give you an example. How many of us have not read their Bible all week until they landed in the spot this morning? How many people in this room haven't had a personal time of worship until they landed here this morning? Or how many people in this room haven't really prayed until they landed here this morning? See, we have this, we have this uh, epidemic, if you will, in the church where people are really lazy when it comes to God. Right? And, and they can't figure out why their life isn't going as, in the way that the Bible says it should go. Right, and, and listen, maybe poor analogy, but it's no different than if you went to the doctor and said, hey, I have this problem, and the doctor gave you a prescription of medicine, and you go home, and you just sit on the counter, and you refuse to take it, but yet you keep calling the doctor once a week, and you're fussing him out because you're not better. Right? And so, listen, I, I just think, man, like, once again, when it comes to this, it's not an invitation of inactivity or, you know, an invitation to be lazy in spiritual disciplines and spiritual things. And so, but we, we really have to understand that there is, yes, one day of rest for six days of working. Once again, not six days of rest and maybe once a month working. Amen? Amen. All right. So on that note, let me ask a question. And, and I want to ask it in a general sense, but I, I feel okay. To, to, to lay it where it should lay today, okay? You, we can be grown-ups in the room. How many of you guys have ever met a lazy Christian? I'm talking about, like, spiritually speaking, like, la- just downright lazy. Like, get your junk together, lazy, right? So, now, listen, wave your hand at me if you've met someone that, you know, appears to be in a constant state of inactivity. Anybody? Like, you met that guy. Yeah, if you're sitting beside that, I'm just kidding, don't say that, all right? So... All right, so listen, the reason, um, the reason I feel like I need to address this is because sometimes I don't think we understand that both busyness and laziness equally hinder us from bearing the fruit that we're called to produce in the areas that matter the most. 
Right? In other words, if, if I'm too busy to spend time with God versus if I'm too lazy to spend time with God, what's the result? It's the exact same, right? It's no different. Likewise, if, I, if you say, let's take this guy who works 24-7, and because he's working so much, he never spends time with his family, versus this other guy that's just so lazy, he refuses to get out of his lazy boy chair to be emotionally engaged and involved in his family's life. Once again, what's the difference? What's the difference of the outcome? There is none, right? So it's important for us to understand that in the same way, God never calls us to live in a constant state of hurry, Neither does he call us to live in a constant state of inactivity. So the reason is because, once again, both are, are detrimental and both have the ability to hinder us from living the intentional life that we are called to live. So here's what I want to do today is, is A, ask you to be honest with yourself, but B, to also say, hey, wherever you land on that spectrum, like if you're, if you're one of those people that you are living at warp speed, then maybe you need to slow down. Or maybe you're the other person that's over here and you are, uh, you know, as Keith Green would say, you're asleep in the light, right? Maybe you need to wake up and speed up, right? Because at the end of the day, listen, it's not about stopping and it's not about running as fast as you can. It's about finding the proper rhythm that is compatible to God's kingdom so that you can bear fruit in all those areas that we mentioned before. Like, it is God's will for you to bear fruit in your marriage. It is God's will for you to have fruit in your children's life, right? And going down the line, right? It is the will of God. So what I want to do today, and once again, this is the part where I'm like, man, I wish I had a better way to say this, but I'm going to do my best and we'll lay it out there, okay? What I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to address one more time the people that need to slow down. And then we're going to shift gears, and then we're going to talk to some of the people that need to speed up, all right? So to talk to the folks that need to slow down, I actually want to share a story with you that I recently read. It's about two men. Uh, one guy's name is Zachary Taylor. The other guy's name is David Rice Atchison, okay? So more than likely, if you're in this room and you're not a history buff, uh, those names mean nothing to you. And so maybe we'll fill in the blanks. Here's how the story goes. Uh, Zachary Taylor, or better yet, General Taylor at the time, was famous for his military success in the 19th century and considered by many to be a national hero after his uh, last victory in the Mexican War. So, however, fast forward this guy's long military career. By the time he was 62 years old, he finally decided, you know what, look, it's time to retire. It's time to put up the boots. It's time to go home. So he resigned his post and he rode his horse back home all the way to Louisiana so that he could enjoy his final years, what he thought, in peace and quiet. But watch this. But due to his popularity, when he arrived home, he discovered that on his front porch, it was covered with stacks of mail. Like literally, like stacks literally of hundreds of letters that were just sitting there from well-wishing Americans congratulating him on his achievements. Right? Like, that's kind of cool. Right? Like, I've never shown up at the house and, you know, everybody just said, hey, you did a great job. Hundreds of letters. That sermon was amazing, right? Besides, what a cool opportunity, right? Now, listen, while that seems like a pretty amazing thing, there was only one problem. Unfortunately, many of the letters came with postage due, meaning that the people who wrote the letters, right, that if he actually read them, he had to be the one that paid for the postage. So do the math on the hundreds of letters, uh, you know, and you'll figure it out. But watch this. Because of that, he only read a few of them, and he quickly assumed that they were all just like the ones he read, which were nice letters of encouragement, thanking him for what he did, and he just sighed in his heart, there's really no need to read the rest of them. 
And so he decided to uh, send all of those letters back to the dead letter office in Washington, D.C. Okay? So listen, one would think, okay, it's got to be the end of the story. Except two weeks later, Taylor ran into one of his old friends who asked him if he had read the special letter from Washington, D.C. So sort of dumbfounded, Taylor said uh, he had sent a bunch of letters back there, but he didn't see one from there. And his friend simply replied, well, you'll want to read this one. So Taylor, kind of reverse order, he contacted the, the dead letter office and he had them send all those letters back to him. And one by one, he read through them, right, until he found the one that his friend had mentioned. Now, what was in this special letter that his friend made such a big thing about? It was this. It was a letter from his political party inviting him to run for the next presidency of the United States. Like, pretty cool honor, right? So, listen, that's how, if you don't know, General Zachary, Zachary Taylor became the president, Zachary Taylor, the 12th president of the United States. So, but the story doesn't end there. I told you there was two guys. Because Zachary Taylor was committed, was a committed Christian. He didn't want to dishonor God by being inaugurated on the regular scheduled time, which was Sunday at noon. And so he decided to inform Congress that he would wait to be inaugurated or wait to become president on the following day, which was Monday at noon. Which consequently caused the Senate to be in a position where they had to find and they had to choose a man to fill the office of the president for one day. Like, what an unusual circumstance. Like, in my mind, right, I'm just like, what's, the, what's so wrong with asking the former fella to hang out for 24 more hours? But that didn't go in there for some reason. I guess they were tired of him, right? Time for that guy to go. But anyways, so what they did, they ended up selecting a man named David Rice Atchison. And he was appointed and scheduled to serve as the president of the United States for a total of 24 hours. Right? Now, the almost comical part of this story is that Atchison was so exhausted from all of his work during the last days of the former president, who was James Polk. He worked in his administration. And so what happened is, is after just trying to finish that guy's administration out, uh, even though he was appointed, he actually went to bed in the early hours of Sunday morning, and he told his landlady to not awaken him for any reason. Interestingly, Atchison ended up sleeping through Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, all the way through Monday morning up until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. What's the point? Is David Rice Atchison slept through his entire term in office, <laughs> right? So, but what I want to do here is, okay, here's like this really unique, weird story, obscure, like who's ever heard of David Rice Atchison, like who? Right? Like nobody. And so, but I, the funny part is I read that and then some few things jumped out at me. I was like, you know, there's some things we can learn from this. So let's dive into that. Here's the first thing I want us to do. Is I just kind of want to ask, have you ever found yourself feeling like Zachary Taylor? That, that when you've been, you've been inundated, in, in I can't say the word, you have been inundated with so many letters, a.k.a. responsibilities, distractions, clutter, or busyness, that you've actually ended up missing the one letter that you should have been looking for. Now, what's the letter I'm referring to today? I'm referring to God's voice. Like, he needed to hear something, right? Remember, this guy's like, man, my life is over. It's done. I have no direction. I'm going to go home, peace and quiet, and I'm going to die. Like, my purpose and my identity is done. I'm no longer a warrior. I'm going to go home. 
And, and so he's sitting there thinking his life is over, and, and there was something different that God had in store for him, and that was actually be the leader of the nation, but because of all the clutter, he missed it. Am I making any sense? So it wasn't just the direction for his life for the next step, but it was, truly it was his calling from God that he missed. And so all I'm asking today is really is, have you ever been in that spot where you really needed to hear from God, but you couldn't because it was so drowned out by the thousand other voices that were going on around you? Anybody ever been there? Because I know I have been. So let me maybe pause here for a moment, but it's kind of connected, okay? Um, when I was preparing this, I just had this weird hunch that there's somebody in here, in here that's in that spot right now. And maybe they were in first service, maybe they're here now. Maybe it's somebody from the podcast, I don't know, but there's somebody that's in the spot where, where instead of just them pausing their really busy schedule, they just keep sitting back wishing that some sort of burning bush experience like Moses had would happen in their life. Now, maybe they're not using that kind of language, but here's what, here's what the individual that I know that they're wanting is that they are so hoping that God is really out of nowhere going to speak so loudly to them that they'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's him, and here's what they need to do next. But the problem is, is they're unwilling to change the pace of their life, but yet they're wanting this incredible experience. Does that make sense? So, listen, if by chance that's you or your neighbor today, listen, I just want to remind all of us of something that's key in that portion of Scripture out of Exodus 3 that's so often that we miss. And so let's read it together. It's Exodus 3. We are only going to read four verses. It says this. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. I want to pause there for a second. Um, can we all agree that if you are focusing on protecting, leading, and feeding hundreds of sheep, it might be considered work? Okay, so this fellow is definitely working, and, and I would say if, you're, if you are dealing with sheep, how much they move and all the things they do, and he's trying to keep an eye on them, he was probably pretty distracted from necessarily like, let's have this amazing encounter with God, Okay. And then it says in verse 2, it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Now, that seems like out of nowhere, that's the kind of thing that somebody's hoping for. But watch this. It says, Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go See it. I must go see it. Another translation puts it this way. He said, basically, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. See, here's the key part that I think so many of us miss is that, look at verse 4. It says, when. What is when? It's after Moses turned aside. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, or when he saw him turn aside, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here am I, Moses replied. So you kind of see it already, I'm sure, but I want to notice that God did indeed do the outrageous, phenomenal uh, you know, thing to get Moses' attention. But it wasn't until uh, Moses actually, once again, turned aside, or we could even say slowed down long enough from all the busyness, from all the clutter, from all the distraction, from all the noise, until he could actually hear the voice of God speaking to him. 
Listen, I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself. I don't do a really good job at hearing Jesus when I'm running at 1,000 miles an hour. I don't. You know, and there's, and there's times, truthfully, what happens is, like I've said in, you know, the past few weeks, is typically when I'm running at that pace, uh, I, I probably tend to be a little impatient with people and with things and all of that. And there's just been times over the years that I've just had to say, you know what, I am so desperate, I need to hear Jesus, I have to unplug from all of this stuff, and then I just leave. I'm gone, right? And, and, and to be honest with you, I know that may bother people, but it is more important to hear Jesus speak at that moment to me, right? And so there's times where I will go and I'll, I'll find a trail somewhere, I will go, find a, go in the woods, I'll find a pasture, I will go and I'll pray where it's quiet and nobody knows where I'm at, it's a secluded place, because I'm like, Jesus, I have to hear you. Am I making sense? Well, here's what I want us to see. Watch this, this neat little part in this verse. And there's a point that I do want to make here that's significant, I think, for someone. Is notice that when Moses turned aside, that God didn't just speak meaningless things to him, but he actually spoke very intentionally to him. And he spoke to him in three, about three different things. The first one was this, is that God actually began to tell him who he was. In other words, God revealed his identity to Moses in a greater way. The second thing that happened is that God began to speak to him and tell him his heart for his people. What did he say? He said, I have heard their tears. I have, what? I have, sorry, I've heard their cries. I've seen their tears, right? So he's trying to say, look, I have a heart for my people. So that's the second thing God spoke about. And the third thing was after those things, God began to speak to Moses about his next steps or his calling for his life. Now, why am I telling you this? It's because I, I think so many people, the reason they have a problem in this area of knowing what God has called them to do is because they want to jump to step three and they want to bypass step one and step two. They don't see the value and the importance of it. But, but, but you need to understand if God's going to call you to something, it's always going to be a direct revelation of who he is and his heart for the people that he's called you to serve. And so if you miss that, guess what? You're going to end up doing greater damage in the kingdom of God to the people than if you would actually stay and went, you know what, I need to have intimacy with Jesus. I need to get to know his heart, know his ways. And now the revelation comes what I'm supposed to do. Now let me step out in that. Does that make any sense? So let me just add this one thing. Remember, the Bible tells us in James that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. So just kind of a point, we'll move on. Personally, I found it really difficult to draw near to God when I'm living at warp speed. So if we want to hear from God, guess what? We need to slow down, right? We need to slow down. We, need, we don't need to be Zachary Taylor just shooting through things, okay? All right, so let's turn our attention to the second film story. Remember, Mr. David Rice Atchison, okay? Um, the question I kind of have around this is, have you ever found yourself feeling like him, that even though you know what you've been asked to do. Like the guy knew he was going to be the president for 24 hours. But here's the thing. But, but like him, even though you know what you're supposed to do, you've grown so tired and so exhausted from the busyness of your weekly routine, you are just sleeping through life. You're sleeping through your assignments. So what I mean by this is this, is that you've heard and you've even responded to God's calling in your heart. In other words, you're not ignorant to it. Once again, you're just too tired to complete it. So your conscience, when you're in that spot, 
that, man, I am missing rare opportunities to make a difference. Not only that, you realize at the end of the day, and this is where a lot of us open up our hearts to guilt and shame and condemnation, but we're also aware that we're neglecting the deep purposes of God for our life on a regular basis. Does anybody know what I'm talking about there? All right, so here's kind of why I wanted to say those things. Hang with me here. It's because I have this feeling that if I ask people in this room, hey, how many of you guys can relate to Atchison where you're so busy you're missing the voice? Do, 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 do. Okay, I know there's people in here that do that. And then if I said, okay, how many of you guys relate? I'm sorry, that was Zachary Taylor. How many of you guys say you can relate to Atchison where you say, you know what, I'm so tired and exhausted even though i got a clue what I'm supposed to do. Man, I'm just failing on it miserably all the time, right? And so here's what's wild, okay? So I think there's loads of us say yes, 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 yes to that. But, but what I feel like I need to point out is if we maybe stop for a minute and go, okay, let's, let's take an overview of our, say, our last three years of life. And how often have we been in both of those spots? Like, I, I have definitely been in both of those spots on numerous times over the last, say, three years, okay? And here's why I'm saying this. Because in my opinion, one of the reasons why more of us aren't living emotionally healthy and spiritually rich lives is because we can't strike the balance between busyness and inactivity, Meaning this, that we constantly are swinging on this pendulum in our lives where we're living at warp speed with our hair on fire, right? To being comatose, literally staring at the wall, drooling on ourselves because we're too exhausted to move. And y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So I'm going to repeat myself, just like I said earlier. God never designed us to live in either one of those places. Because why? Because both are extremely unhealthy and neither actually produce the fruit that he expects in our life in all of those areas. All right. So if you're like me, you're like, okay, I can see the problem. That's pretty easy. But, but what's the solution, right? Like it's easy to, to, land in, to land in the problem and not know how to get out of it and just get frustrated, right? So God has given us a, a solution, and we talked about it last week, but I want to actually show you... Um, show you it from a scripture that's been on my heart. And I think it's just a beautiful picture, really, of the cycle of what our life should look like. It comes out of Isaiah 40, verse 31. Most of you guys know this verse. It says this. It says, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew, or wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. In my opinion, guys, that reflects the purpose of the Sabbath rest. Right? Now, watch what happens from the Sabbath rest. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall fly. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Are you seeing the progression here? There's a, there's a Sabbath day where we get filled up and we shoot out of that thing and we fly. And then guess what? We hit about Wednesday, hump day, right? And we're just kind of running, Right, And then we hit, I don't know, Thursday afternoon and, and we're walking and we're trying our best not to crawl through Friday. Right? And, and so, so there's a pattern in a cycle here. Guess what? That says what? That if I hang with the Lord, right, and I do Sabbath, right, Sabbath moment, Sabbath day, 
And I get filled up with him, fresh creativity, fresh energy, fresh spiritual strength, fresh hope, fresh joy, all that stuff we talked about last week. Then when I leave there, I'm going to be sore and pretty good, right? Like I'm going to be ready to do something. But, but guess what? My wind is not going to stay so strong in myself because we live crazy lives. And so what's going to happen is, is I'm going to start slowing down to run and then I'm going to walk, right? And I think that's there. We have to realize before we crash and burn, we need to go back and wait upon the Lord so we can fly. So we can run, so we can walk, so we can go wait back on the Lord, so we can, are you seeing the point? That's the cycle that God wants us to have. Once again, it's a cycle of rest and it's a cycle of work. All right, let's shift gears. Let me talk to those folks that maybe are in this room right now and you go, you know what? I'm not the person that's super busy. I, I'm probably the, the guy or the gal that has a lot of inactivity in my life. Let, let, me, let me speak to that real quick. Um, for the past couple of days, I've had this, this question rolling in my mind. I'm like, okay, what's the answer to this, Lord? And here's the question. Is, is God, why are so many Christians living like they are just missing something in their lives? Like, from my perspective, I'm like, man, how many times are we going to circle the mountain? Right? Like, we just see people in this constant... And it's like this roller coaster ride. Oh, it's, it's, it's March. I'm doing good. Oh, and it's July. I'm not doing so good. Right? And this is like, like how long are we going to live like that? Right? And, and so I'm like, Lord, why, why are so many Christians, why are they so inactive when it comes to spiritual things? Now, I realize time is the greatest enemy to that, but there's something deeper than that. Uh, because we all know that we make time for things that matter. Right? Like, look at your life, where you spend time, that's really where your heart is. Okay? All right. So, I finally land on this. I realized this week that the missing ingredient, it's not rocket science, it's just truth, that the missing ingredient in so many of our lives is that's keeping us from moving forward and it's keeping us from being satisfied and living a fulfilling life is simply this, is that we lack a God-given purpose. That's it. You know, we, we said this, that, that the antidote to busyness is rest. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the antidote for inactivity is discovering your purpose. So to explain what I mean, listen to this pretty neat story. This is a true story. Um, I'll read it, and I'll, and I'll tell you something. Here we go. It says this. Years ago, the Associated Press published a newspaper article from Biloxi, Mississippi, about a 25-year-old woman who decided to commit suicide one night. To her, life wasn't worth living anymore, and so she climbed into the top of a bridge over the Mississippi River, and she jumped into the cold water below, expecting that to be the death of her. However, a man stood at a distance watching everything. When he realized that the woman was literally jumped off the bridge, he rushed over to where she had jumped, and he decided he had to rescue her. So without second thought, he plunged into the river to save her. It's so funny to me. It didn't occur to him until after he jumped in that he didn't know how to swim. So in midair, he began to panic, screaming, waving his arms and legs until, boom, he hit the water like with this massive splash. And what happens when he hit the water like that so hard, uh, basically the woman heard him. She heard the splash, and she forgot her own despair she pushed toward the surface of the water, spotted the man, and realized that he needed her help. 
So she swam over to him, pulled him to the shoreline, and called 911. As fate would have it, they both survived, and they both ended up in the same hospital. Now, the article ended with a great insight, so I'm reading it to you. The journalist who typed the article came to this conclusion, last statement of the article. That evening, it wasn't the gentleman who saved the woman's life. It was, in fact, a purpose. See, I find it interesting that for one moment, this depressed woman who didn't value her life, you know, who didn't think she had a purpose, didn't think she had a significance, didn't see the meaning of her life, she did find a purpose, and that was to save a man's life. That there was something to accomplish, there was something to live for, there was a reason to go on, and I'll use the words to fit today, there was a reason not to be inactive. See, today, if we realize or not, I believe the same truth works in our lives. Like that woman, we are saved from our own self, uh, you know, selfishness, our own sense of entitlement, our own feelings of, of my life is meaningless when we grab a hold of a bigger purpose than ourselves. Gang, if, if I could just remind you of anything today, it's this, is that, is that this is what Jesus offers us, right? That yes, he offers forgiveness, that yes, he offers salvation, but he also offers us this amazing part, this amazing uh, place that's this valuable piece in his eternal mission, which I believe when we grab a hold of it, it should energize us enough that we wake up every day with activity in our heart. See, if we're waking up day after day just thinking, oh, it's just doldrums, I just got to go through the day, we are missing and lacking a purpose. There should be something in us as believers that say, man, I can't wait for this today. Amen? Amen. So listen, as simple as that might sound, the reality is, is that when we aren't focused on fulfilling our God-given purpose, we in turn become overly focused on ourselves and if we realize or not, listen, I, let me just say this, I think we can all agree that is happening at an alarming rate in our society, that people think about one person, it's themselves, right? It's in children, right? It's in teenagers, it's in young adults, it's even in old people. They think about themselves. How do we know? Because look how easily offended everybody is, Right? So listen, we are thinking about ourselves so much, experts actually are telling us that the average person thinks about themselves 85% of the time. That 85% of their thoughts are very me-oriented. Listen, I just look as a pastor, I go, well, no wonder 87% of the church doesn't know their purpose. It's because they're too busy thinking about themselves. Because why? If we're going to discover and fulfill our God-given purpose, we're going to have to change because our purpose is never about ourselves. Y'all understand that? that? Notice that. Go back. When God did that amazing moment with Moses, notice it was not about Moses becoming someone great. It was all about Moses going and setting God's people free. The purpose was someone else. Jesus, who came to fulfill the greatest purpose, purpose ever, it was never about himself. It was about all of us. Right? And so how often are we not like the one who saved us, not like our Savior, not like our Lord, not like the one we say that we're trying to imitate, and we don't think about everybody else, we think about ourselves. Don't get quiet on me. See, I think... I think truthfully in the church world, we have minimized two words, purpose and calling, like we've lost it. 
You know, um, Rick Warren wrote a credible book about it, one of the best-selling books of all times. But we've also made, we've we've all we've almost made it a trendy word that's lost its power. It's like another John three sixteen, right? right? And, and so I'm just saying, you know, hoping that we realize today that just because we come to church for several years doesn't mean we're automatically going to know our purpose in life. Like knowing your purpose doesn't. You know, you don't get that by coming and sitting in here for an hour and a half on a Sunday. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, like I know uh, loads of Christians who have attended church for decades, and they still live a life of maintenance instead of a life of mission. And Jesus has called us to live a life of mission. In fact, it's even this, that as a family, right, each family in this room should have a mission. Like, I'm realizing that. Like, it's not just... You know, Quentin that does this or Jennifer that does this. No, 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 no. Our family is called to do this, right? And then when they leave, God will give them another thing for their family. But in the meantime, we're doing this. Amen? Amen. So, listen, while I can stand up here today and just say, you know, look, I know your general purpose. And, you know, I can give you that. Like, I can sit here and tell you God has something greater for you and all that. And I can say God has a general purpose for you, and this is this is that you would be a lover of Jesus, that you would live a holy lifestyle, that you would have intimacy with Jesus, that you would walk in forgiveness, walk in love, walk in peace, walk in joy, that you'd be a godly husband, a godly wife, right? Be a godly parent. All these things, I can tell you biblically, that is your general purposes. Every one of us in here are called to make disciples. Every one of us in here are called to be a soul winner. That's Bible, right? So that's our general purpose. But I cannot tell you what your specific purpose is. I can't. When, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus at 18 years old, I knew all those things, you know, they preached that in church. Okay, that, that's, who, that's what the Bible says it's supposed to be. But I had to go and spend time with Jesus to find out exactly what he wanted me to do on the greater you know, perspective in a personal, intimate way. It, it, let me say it this way. Um, so often in the church... We, we, what Larry Randolph said, we suffer from sameness. In other words, we tell everybody to come in the door, okay, you got to look like us, dress like us, talk like us, blah, 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 blah. It's boring. Okay? Now, there is a level of holiness. There is a level of standard. But at the end of the day, we have to understand that we were never called to be an echo of someone else. We are called to be an original breath that Jesus wants to be. So what is that breath supposed to look like? He's the only one that can show us. In fact, I just encourage you today that if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I don't know what my specific calling is. Well, well do yourself a favor. Rewind back to Acts chapter 9. Here's Paul going down Damascus Road. We all know the story of why he was going down Damascus Road. And obviously we know that he fell on the ground and then he asked two questions. And I am encourage you, if you are struggling with inactivity today, here's two questions that you need to apply immediately. First one was this. He said, Lord, who are you? Second one is this. What do you want me to do? Who are you? What do you want me to do? Because Jesus is trying to reveal something about himself to you that has correlation to what he's called you to do. Amen? So we'll end with this, okay? Is really simple thought. Today, what is God's best for you? Like, what's God's best? What is his call? What is his plan for your life? Do you need to slow down or do you need to speed up? What do you need to do? But you're the only one that can determine that. Amen? Amen. Can I pray for you? Yes. yes. 
Jesus, I so thank you for every person that's in this room. Lord, I thank you for their heart that brought them here. I thank you for their heart that says, God, we want to know you more. We want to walk in your ways. And God, I'm simply asking today by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would begin to speak to us. God, if we need to speed up, God, let us speed up. God, forgive us for being inactive. God, help us to find the rhythm and the pace that you want us to run at. God, bring the specific calling. Help us to find our identity. Father, and I just break off lies of religion off of everybody today. Any lies of people that said they can't do this, can't do that. Lord, I pray today that we would all walk in the truth that we find in the Bible. And Lord, I pray today, God, for all of us that are that are hustling, that living the life of hustle. God, that we're going and going and going and going. God, would you help us somehow to have wisdom from heaven to know how to slow down. God, teach us. God, all of us that are running so quick and so fast and so hard, God, show us how to say, uh, show us the things we need to say no to and show us the things we need to say yes to because, Lord, we're out of order in that. So, God, would you order our hearts properly so we can do what you called us to do? God, I just simply just as we close this entire series, Father, I pray that you would help us to bear fruit in all of those areas that matter the most. Lord, I'm asking, God, that this wouldn't be just a, just a time where we say, oh, that was a nice little cute four weeks. Appreciate you sharing. Lord, I pray it's something that would actually get down deep in us. Holy Spirit, we give you permission that you would just continue to mess with us until we get this thing right, until we're running at the speed that you've called us to run. God, help us in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.